This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to start a new series today. Um, I'm excited about this series because I think it's going to be a series that it will change your life. And I think what's good about it is it's a, a series particularly geared towards men. The reason I say that is because it'll be good for everybody. Believe me, everybody will love it. But the reason I tell you that is this. You see, men are simple creatures. We are very rational. Women are so much more complex than men. They're much more interesting. They have so much diversity. And women can sense things and pick up things. And they have access to, to, to realms that men don't always like to dabble in. And the nice thing about kingdom is kingdom is all based on constitution. The wonderful thing about kingdom is it's going to give you a fundamental groundwork um, understanding of God's plan and purposes and allow you to walk into that in a very practical way. And so I love this because in a very pragmatic sense, I believe what it's going to do is it's going to open the door so that it gives us an understanding as to what God's plan and design was, who you are, what you're all about, and how we can practically walk into it. So it's going to be a, a good one. I believe so. I'm going to start off this morning... And I want to lay a groundwork. I need to lay a foundation. I really just want you to see the landscape. Okay? And so that's what today is all about. Next week we'll start to get into it in more detail. I'm not saying we're not going to get into some stuff today. We will get into some stuff. But the intention of today is I'm trying to set the parameters so you can kind of see where we are and where we're going. And you can get a feel for what things look like. If you have your Bibles, um, you can open up to Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to read two verses, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You're busy writing the story to your life. You're involved in the story of your life right now. The thing about stories is what makes interesting stories are the characters and the, participa- the participants and the landscape and the environment and all the things that contribute to a story. The thing about a story, though, is when you're in amongst the story, it's important for you to always understand and be able to define what's going on, who the characters are, and what their contribution is. Because the problem with it is, if you don't really understand that, it takes until you get to the end of the book to be able to look back and then get some definition. None of us want to get to the end of our life and then get the definition about what everything was about at the beginning. So where you are right now, the intention of what I want to do is I want to begin to give you an understanding as to how the different elements in our life fit together. As a person, you are navigating your story with other people. Inside of you, you have gifts, you have abilities. Why are they there? What are they there for? Why do you find yourself... In Virginia, could be in anywhere in the world. Why are you here? Why are you in church today? You could be out playing golf. 
we understand that we made up of a number of different parts. We, we, we think about things and we, we, we consider our life and we have ideas and concepts about what things should be and what they shouldn't be. We have an emotional component that comes into play with regularity and it infuses and it informs our actions very often. It makes us feel the world that we live in. We have a spiritual dimension. We're aware of the fact that there is God. Where does God figure in all of this? What is God in this whole mix? And what's this thing about Satan and, and, and the idea that not everything is from God? How does all of this fit together? I think it's really important for us to be able to understand the different elements and be able to define those different elements because our concept gives us context to life. Our concept gives us context. The thing about it is, concepts are really important, but concepts don't, we're not born with concepts. Your concepts are developed. Your concepts come into existence as a result of ideas that are put into your head. What have people told you about things? From a spiritual point of view, and I'm going to, I'm going to lean in that direction right now, the challenge with it is, we were all brought up with parents, and many of them were well-intentioned, and many of them loved God, but many of them gave us ideas about God, and what God was all about, and what our life should be, and it wasn't accurate. Many of us have come out of environments where we were brought up in traditional or, 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 or envir- in church environments that had denominations. And every denomination likes to hold on to their, 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 their pet beliefs. This is what we believe. This is what distinguishes us from everything else. And I think all of those people are going to get such a shock because they're going to go to heaven one day and they're going to discover that there are no denominations up there. Because you see, what they're going to discover is that God really doesn't care about labels. All he cares about is Jesus. The point that I'm making is we've been exposed to some denominations. We've been exposed to some thinking. Stuff that has come in and it's given us a concept about who we are. It's given us a concept about who God is. It's given us a concept about our relationship with Him and how we're supposed to move forward in life. And it's important for us to understand that the reason some people are stuck is because our concept is either incomplete or it's inaccurate. If we believe that God is judgmental, if we believe that God is upstairs with a big stick and he's making sure that you do things in single file, he's making sure that you're a morally upright individual, otherwise you're going to get a slap. It gives us a context to who God is. It's difficult to walk, for me to walk into the fullness of God, what God has got available to me. It's difficult for me to walk into a love relationship with God and understand his provision and his care for me. It's imp- impossible for me to accept by grace because that's not the God that I know my context doesn't open that up to me it's important for us to understand that the most important person in your life is the Holy Spirit it's not your pastor it's not your teacher it's not your anything it's the Holy Spirit get a good relationship with him Because you know what's so wonderful about the Holy Spirit is that he'll always lead you into truth. And you know why that's important? Because we only understand life to the degree that our concepts are based on truth. 
If you truly want to have an appreciation for the road that you're navigating and the story that you're writing, it's important that we walk that road with the Holy Spirit because he will open the eyes of our understanding. He will give us the mind of Christ and he'll begin to illuminate for us what it is that we go, the road we're going down. He will show us his intention and his plan and he will walk us into truth. When he begins to shift and he begins to change our paradigm to life, when he begins to change our context to life, what ends up happening is we open ourselves up to opportunities that we never even recognized beforehand because I didn't see them. I thought they were off limits to me. He begins to do something in my life. One of the things that is so characteristic of us as human beings is that over the ages, man has looked to try and connect with a higher being. You go back to the earliest days of mankind. It doesn't matter. If you look through the ages, inherently within mankind, there was an awareness and a recognition of the fact that there was a higher being. I may not be able to tell you who he is. I might not be able to give him a label. I might not be able to give him a name. But I know that he's out there. You can go to the most rural parts of Bora Bora and what you'll find is you'll find tribes out there and when you meet with them, do you know what's still characteristic of their civilization? They have a religion. Who taught them? It may not be Episcopalian. It may not be charismatic. It may not be anything that we know, but there is something inherently on the inside of them that says there is something greater than us. I want to connect with who that is. What's characteristic of humanity through the generations, throughout civilization, what's characteristic of humanity in this day and age, doesn't matter what continent you're on, no matter how remotely you may find yourself, there is a side to each one of those civilizations that sits and says, there is something greater than me. Man's search to discover And hopefully connect and maybe even have relationship with this higher being is something that we term religion. That's the first shock. Religion is not of God. Religion is of man. Religion is something that man, it's it's a drive, it's an intuition. It is something that's initiated on man's part to sit and say, I know that there's something out there. Can I connect with him? Can I, in my own ability, be able to recognize who he is, connect with him, possibly form some kind of relationship with him, so that what I can do is be able to define and give some meaning to the context in which I find myself. Some meaning to this thing called life. We're searching. We're searching. If it's so ubiquitous, this search within humanity, where did it come from? I mean, it would be easy if you could have a look at a single population, if you could look at one group of people and sit and say it's characteristic of them, but it's characteristic of everybody. And historically, it's the same. Where did it come from? must have a source. If it's something that's so characteristic of all of us, it says something about 
how we were created. It's not unique. It's not distinct to certain individuals. It's something within all of us. It implies our search to try and discover this higher being implies that something has been lost. We try to find something that used to exist. It must. Nobody searches for nothing. You search for something when you lose something. You search for something when I used to have it, but I don't have it anymore. But I know it must be here. The suggestion, by the very nature of our search, seems to suggest that something that we previously used to possess, we no longer have. The best way to try and discover what it is that you're looking for, if you're trying to find something that's gone missing, is identify your need. What is your need? If you can identify your need, you'll identify what you're looking for. At a very elementary level, if you are hungry, you are looking for food. If you're thirsty, raise right for steak. It's like, don't give me vegetables. I want steak. If you're thirsty, what are you looking for? You're looking for something to drink. If you can identify man's need, you'll identify what he's looking for. There's something about us as human beings that we're searching for. And one thing that's characteristic about humanity in all of creation is the fact that we're looking for the opportunity to be able to have influence in our world, influence in our circumstances, influence in our relationships, influence in our person and who we are. We're looking for the opportunity to be able to, be able to control that. There's something within humanity where we want to dominate. We want to take control of things. Essentially, what it really is, is man has a hunger for power. Man has a hunger for power. Why is it that you work so hard to get money? Because money, finances, give us power. I can do some things if I've got some filthy lucre that I can't do without it. I can make some changes. I can have some influence in situations if I have finances. I can't do it without it. It gives me power. I go and I get with my psychologist because I want to have power. I want to have influence. I want to have control over the fact that I can't handle what's going on in the inside of me. I feel such a sense of tension and anxiety and I can't deal with this stuff. Tell me what I do to control it. Tell me what I do to manage it. Give me something so I can have some power over myself. We go to fortune tellers. Why? Because if you can tell me my future, I can prepare myself. If you can tell me what's to come, if you can speak to me about my destiny, it empowers me to put me and puts me in a place where I can make preparation for what's coming down the way. Why do many people get involved in religion? Because I know that God is the supreme being. And if I can get together with him, he can give me the opportunity 
to have influence in places I can't do on my own. There's something on the inside of us that's hungry, that's looking for the opportunity to do that. It's looking for power. Our pursuit of power is really our pursuit of dominion. Our pursuit of power is our pursuit of dominion. As we're looking to try and find the opportunity to have influence in our world. If I'm looking, as we're looking to try and find opportunity to have influence in my person and who I am. As I'm looking to influence my destiny and where I'm going. Really what I'm doing is my pursuit of power is really a pursuit of destiny. It's a pursuit of dominion. You were created as a dominion figure. There is something on the inside of me that sits and says, where I am right now is not where I should be. I don't feel right. I don't like it when I'm a person who sits at a place where I don't feel as though I have influence or power over situations. It begins to affect our behavior and we do things to try and get that from other sources. Because there's a recognition on the inside of me, even if I can't articulate it, that I should be able to have some influence in this space. I should be able to control it and dominate it. I should have the power to be able to do something in here. And we're not comfortable outside of that space. But none of, none, none of the rest of God's creation does that. Only man. Everything else just lives. Because you were set apart. You were different to all of the rest of God's creation. When was the last time that you saw innovation from any other creature? Growth. Development. Modernization. Technology. Where did all of those things come from? Where were they all birthed from? It was birthed from man's desire to sit and say, I want to have influence in my world. You don't see it anywhere else. There is a side to us that sits and says, there are some things absent in my life. There are some things that should be here that are conspicuously absent. I might not be able to define it and perhaps I can't put my finger on it. But I know that there is a higher being somewhere. And I'm searching to connect with him. There is a side to me that sits and says, I'm living in a world and I find myself surrounded by circumstances and situations and I feel things on the inside of me and I feel powerless to have influence in those spaces. There is a hunger for power. There is a hunger that sits and says, there's something absent. We want to identify what that is. Recognizing those things begins to birth within us an understanding of why we were created. And the suggestion is if we want to understand that, we need to go back to the creator and the one who put us together. Because in that context, we'll be able to gain some understanding. Let us make man in our image. Let us create man in our image. 
says two things, but they're different words. Let us make man in our image. The word make comes from the Hebrew word asa. And what it means is to construct or to put together, to create from something which already exists. Let us make man in our image. God was sitting saying, you know what? Let's take the dust of the earth. The substance from which man has been created because it allows him access into a realm which has been created for him. We'll create something for him which gives him access and license to live in that space. We will make it of the dust of the earth. We will create him in that space that was created for him. But man was not only made, he was also created. Created is the Hebrew word bora, and that is to create from something that never previously existed. Man was made of the dust of the earth. But God breathed the spirit of life into him. It never previously existed on earth. All of a sudden, man became a living being. You know what's so crazy and wonderful about man? Is the fact that man is the only one in all of creation that straddles two realms. You were designed to live on the earth. But because you have the spirit of God on the inside of you, you have access to the kingdom of heaven. You have access to the heavenly realm. Man finds himself in an interesting place because man, once he was designed, suddenly comes to the realization that I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm in the world. He designed me for the space, but I'm not of it. What constitutes my being and who I am never came from the world around me. It came from him. The very part of me that fundamentally defines who I am was made in the image of God. Because it was made in the image of God, what it says is the very nature, the attributes, and the character of the source define what was made man. We carry within us the nature, the character, and the attributes of God. You're not God. And so I'm not saying you're God. You carry those attributes. One of the things that was lost as a result of the fall is man lost access to his image. Because relationship was compromised... There is a a, a vacuum created on the inside of me that sits and says, I'm trying to discover who I'm supposed to be. I know that I can only define that sense of meaning if I can connect with the higher being. I'm trying to rediscover relationship because if I can rediscover relationship, I'll rediscover who I am. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says Jesus was the image of the invisible God. What it's saying is this. When Jesus came, what he came back was he came with the purpose of sitting saying, I know you lost your image. And because you have lived without it for so long, you don't even realize what that image is anymore. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to model it for you. I'm going to show for you what it is to live in relationship with the Father and how living in relationship with the Father positions you in a place where you can live from a place of authority, where you can live from a place of influence, where you can live from a place of power. 
The things that characterized Jesus' life were relationship and power. He always separated himself to go and spend time with the Father. I only do the things I see the Father do. What was he saying? Relationship is preeminent in my life because it's defining me all the time. I'm getting an idea, I'm getting an understanding of who I am, of what I'm called to do. I'm understanding in the context of relationship my purpose. In the context of relationship, God introduced him to a place where he was moved in power. Storms changed. Sicknesses changed. People who were possessed changed. Things happened. All of a sudden, what Jesus began to model for us was what it was to be a dominion figure, to have influence over my situations and circumstances, to have influence over my person and who I am. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, You were predestined. You were predestined to be conformed to his image. Do you know what that means? It means God was sitting saying, I know the story. I knew what was going to happen. And I knew Adam was going to fall. But there was a plan. And the plan was Jesus was coming back to sit and say to you, you know what? Once again, you can reconnect when have relationship with the Father. Once again, you can move to that place when you can walk into what it is to realize your identity, your original design and who you were meant to be. He predestined before the beginning of time for Jesus to come so that that which was lost, you could rediscover. When we step back into that, I'm rediscovering who I am. I'm walking into the new fullness of what it is. Every time you make a discovery about who God is, every time you have a revelation as to the nature and the character of God, what you're discovering is a part of your destiny. It's a part of your destiny. Holiness. God is the self-sufficient one, the self-sustaining one. He doesn't need anything else. He is complete in himself. Holiness is an invitation to be like God. Holiness says is you don't need drugs and alcohol to get a sense of completion and fullness. Holiness says you don't have to use that kind of language to do that. Holiness says you don't have to get to a place where you behave any way that you like and manipulate people so that you can get a sense of of self-worth. What it says is in God you can find completion and wholeness. It's supposed to change who, who we are because fundamentally in Him, What it's saying is we should be complete. I love you, but I'm not codependent with you. I don't need you to love me. I'd like you to love me. But if you don't, it's your choice. What's happening? I'm finding completion. I'm becoming a holy person. I'm recognizing everything I need is in him. I don't need to go outside of him to discover anything. That's what holiness is. It's been twisted in many ways. You are righteous. God is whole and complete and light and love and fullness. He's everything. We are never going to get that. 
Religion is going to tell you you have to work really hard so that you can look really good. And God's saying you're never going to be complete. If I don't give it to you, it's not going to happen. Your identity and and built in his image means that his very life and nature is on the inside of us. Do you know what that means? It means that you are going to be a new person. Get ready. Because when the nature of love comes on the inside of you, the nature of love bears fruit. And the nature of love bears fruit like joy, peace, long-suffering, faithfulness, gentleness. If you're looking for some stuff, if you're looking for some fruit in your life, you're not going to get it from you. You're not going to get it from your psychologist. You're not going to get it from the self-help column. You're going to get it from your image. Go back to God inside of you. That's what he's designed to do. Your image is everything. Where was I up to? I can't remember. What was I talking about? Uh, I know, I got in front of a plaque. Mm. Oh, yes, I know. Okay. My intention is not to shock you or surprise you, but I want you to take some stuff away and I want you to go and think about it. Okay? God has always been the self-sufficient, all-sufficient one. He's three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Omniscient, omnipotent, all-powerful, righteous, holy, love, He's everything. But technically speaking, God was not a king until he created a domain. You cannot be a king if you don't have a domain. When God created the creative process, the first thing that God created was the invisible realm. The first thing that God created was a realm that he defined as heaven. As a result of the first creative process, it introduces us to some important concepts. It it introduces us to the concept of ruler. You cannot be a ruler if you don't have anything to rule over. To be a ruler, you have to have something that you rule over. Another name for ruler is king. God created a domain called it's called the invisible realm and he called it heaven. God became the ruler or the king over the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom is really the domain of the king. It becomes important because it becomes a descriptor of what that domain is. Because it is a kingdom of heaven, whoever the king is gets to define what that kingdom looks like. Because God is the king of heaven, heaven represents God. 
There is no dissonance and no disconnect between the kingdom of heaven and God's character and God's nature and who God is. It's an expression of who God is. It becomes important because, you see, you are a son and a daughter of God. But the thing about it is, when you were born and you moved into relationship with God, you you took on the image of who he was. And part of that image has a dominion mandate to it. So the thing about it is, man was created... And because man was created in the same image of God, he had the same appetites as God. So he wanted to rule. And God knew that. That's why God created the earth. God created the earth and he put man on the earth because man had to have a kingdom to rule over. If you have a look at verse, I think it's verse 27. No, it's still what's... uh, No, sorry, it's still verse 26. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Do you know what he was saying? He was saying, I'm creating man as dominion figures. Another word for dominion, the original word for dominion is Hebrew, in Hebrew is ruler or to rule. It's talking about being a king. What he's saying is that was the mandate that God used to sit and say, I am giving you the authority and power over this domain. He gave it to man. What he said to man was this, I created you in my image and then now I'm going to give you dominion over a domain called earth. By speaking those words, what he was doing is he was transferring power from God to man. And he was saying, I'm giving you responsibility for the earth. You do realize that those words that God spoke put him in an interesting place. Because he didn't say, let us rule the earth. If he had said that, God could have had access to the earth any time he wanted to. He didn't. He said, let them. He gave it to mankind. That's why God, every time he wants to work in earth, always is looking for a human partner to work with. Why? Because you have domain. Legally, you're the one responsible for this domain. The reason that Jesus had, that God had to come in the flesh and had to come through Jesus was because he needed access, a fleshly access to this domain to make it legal. Jesus, the man, became a body for Christ, the God, and made him legal in earth. That's why he came that way. What it means for us is this. A couple of things. First of all, our identity becomes important because we were made in the image of God. 
The Holy Spirit becomes important in our life because what ends up happening is as a result of our relationship with God, we have the ability to have access to heaven. We have the ability to have access to God. And so what ends up happening is on an ongoing basis, the Holy Spirit is taking the things of God and imparting them to us. Every time you get revelation, every time the Holy Spirit gives you something from the word of God, what he's intending to do is take your concept of kingdom and expand it. That's what he's doing through revelation. He's giving us a broader concept of things. The whole reason that relationship becomes important is because it's not a God who's away up there somewhere, a God who's not accessible, a God who we just worship but we don't have access to. It's a God who wants to communicate with us on an ongoing basis. He's speaking to you about your daily events. He's talking to you about how to raise your kids. He's taking the things of the kingdom and he's opening them up to you and revealing them to you. In all your circumstances, in all your situations, in all your personal struggles in all the things that come against you he's in that place and he's sitting saying let me reveal kingdom to you it's important because that relationship is what illuminates us it's that relationship which gives us context to what God is trying to do it's that in that intervention and the revelation from the Holy Spirit that makes the kingdom expansive on the inside of us relationship is important identity is important But dominion's important too. Dominion is when God gave us authority and power. How could God do that? Because he created. He had right of ownership because he created it. I own it. I can do with it what I like. So in that place, we have access to authority. And we have access to power, not because of us, but because of him. When Adam sinned and he moved away from God, what ended up happening was Adam not only lost relationship with God, but Adam lost a kingdom. He never lost a religion. It's important because when Jesus came back, Jesus' plan of redemption was not to introduce a new new religion. Jesus' plan of redemption was to introduce the kingdom. What he said is, those things that were lost, the kingdom that was lost, your ability to have relationship with the Father and your ability to live from a place of dominion, I'm here to restore it to you. I'm here to take you back to what God originally planned and designed for you. It was the plan and the purposes of God. He came to restore the kingdom. I'm going to carry on from there next week. Father, I just want to thank you that you have an incredible design and a plan for us. I want to thank you for every person that's represented here. I thank you for the story of their life, what's happening in them and where they are and where they're going. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to speak to us, to communicate with us, to talk to us, to introduce us to all that God has for us. I want to thank you for the master plan I thank you, Father, for image that is presented to us. Image that defines who we are. Image that comes from you.
I want to thank you for dominion. Positions us as kings. Overcomers. Conquerors. Rulers. I pray, Father, that as we begin to explore this in more detail and get into it, I pray that you'll just take each of us and give us context in that space. Begin to open the eyes of our, uh, our understanding. Give us illumination and revelation. I pray that every person's walk with you is expanded and grows. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.